Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Well, it's been a long time since I uh, talked about the First World War, and I wanted to keep it as uh, an ongoing series. So today is our latest entry in that we're going to be talking about one of the iconic, the most iconic, one of the most um, recognizable aircraft of the First World War. That is the Sopwith Camel, which was a biplane and it was used extensively. It shot down more enemy aircraft uh, than any other allied fighter. But because it was so new and aviation in general was just such a new thing in warfare, more pilots actually died learning to fly it um, than were shot down by the enemy. So little bit of uh, facts up front for you, but uh, that's our topic for today, the Sopwith Camel. Okay, let's set the stage here. The First World War was 1914 to 1918. And the first flight was in 1903 uh, with the Wright brothers. So by 1916, only 13 years had passed uh, since the Wright brothers uh, flew an aircraft that could be controlled. Uh, Now that word is key, controlled, uh, because, you know, by this point in human history, we're talking about 1903, people had developed things like uh, hot air balloons and, and hot air balloons by this point had been used in warfare uh, for observation, obviously, and stuff like that. But we're talking about like fixed wing aircraft with propellers, you know, the whole deal. Um, By the middle of the war in 1916, um, the Germans had a pretty solid advantage in the air with aircraft. Um, And it was just such a new thing. The British were kind of scrambling to counter it. So in that year, they developed three fighters um, that were intended to regain, you know, air superiority. Um, and again, this this was something that was very, very new and would play an, e- an even larger role in the Second World War. And that is to say the concept of air superiority. Um, if the enemy can deploy fighters... Um, strategic bombers, tactical bombers, close air support, aircraft, all this stuff. It just makes it so much harder for your ground forces to operate. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Back to those three fighters that the British developed. The, the most popular, the most recognizable one uh, was the Sopwith Camel. And it shot down a total of 1,294 enemy aircraft during the war. And like I said in the intro, this was more than any other Allied fighter. Uh, I did mention that it was so difficult to fly and, you know, no country on Earth by this point had a, uh, had a tradition of military aviation. So a lot of pilots uh, actually lost their lives learning to fly these things. And there were a total of 5,490 Sopwith Camels that were built over the course of the war. The first one came out in December 1916, and it had a pair of twin Vickers machine guns. Now, these were chambered 
in 303 British, which was uh, one of the primary calibers of the British Empire, the British Commonwealth. Uh, it was extensively used in World War II as well. Now, the reason why I'm talking about the guns that were on this plane is because it's so interesting. At the very, very beginning of the war, before aircraft had even been equipped with machine guns, like I'm talking about like really the, the opening, people were already going up in planes, mostly for reconnaissance, but uh, dogfighting at the time consisted of like the pilot literally flying around and trying to shoot the other plane with like a revolver or a shotgun or trying to drop grenades on him or trying to throw a chain in the propeller. Sometimes if there was a second person, they were like the, the quote dedicated gunner, end quote. So it's like, one guy would be flying the plane and the other guy's trying to shoot the other pilot with a rifle or something like it was really primitive stuff. But here we are by 1916, the technology has advanced to a point where now there are machine guns on these planes. Um, this was the, the, the machine guns were mounted side by side in front of the cockpit. And that was the first time that had been ever been done for a British fighter. And it became standard on British fighters uh, for the next decade or, or two. The pilot engine, the pilot, the engine, the guns, like the machine guns, and the controls were all crammed into a seven-foot space at the front of the airplane. Now, seven feet is just a little over two meters. Um, so really, really, these things were not big aircraft. Um, and they were very lightweight as well. Because it was because all of these critical elements of the plane were so cramped together, um, the design was very efficient, and it made it made it so that the Sopwith Camel uh, had really good performance. But it also made it uh, very tricky to fly. It was made of wood and fabric, um, and it didn't have any protection for the fuel tank, uh, which is just insane. Like if you think of later aircraft that are made of lightweight uh, metals, uh, maybe aluminum or something like that. These early ones, it was like, it was wood and fabric, like something you could build in a garage. And they were susceptible to fire because the second the fuel tank got hit or something like that, um, it would just burst into flames. Um, obviously later aircraft, like later generations of aircraft would fix uh, a lot of these problems, but um, it was a really dangerous job. It was a really, really dangerous job. Like during the 1916-1917 season, the average life expectancy of a British pilot was a little more than two weeks. And uh, so just how crazy is that? You know, obviously there were guys that wanted to do this because of maybe the glory and the glamour of being part of this new technology. Like this was really the, the forefront of military technology, but it was extremely dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So it took a lot of courage. The Sopwith Camel was used in a number of ways uh, that were actually uh, brand new, brand new, like things that nobody had ever tried before. So obviously, uh, first and foremost, you could take off from an airfield, from an airstrip, stuff like that. But um, they sometimes they would get these sop with camels to hunt zeppelins and a zeppelin was just like a huge airship it was like this big kind of 
horizontal balloon with a propeller. Like, I, I'm just trying to explain, just in case there's somebody out there who doesn't know what a Zeppelin is, or maybe they think I'm just talking about Led Zeppelin for some reason. But um, these camels that were designed for Zeppelin hunting, um, most of them were in the Navy. And they were actually flown from barges that were towed behind destroyers. Uh, and some of them took off from early aircraft carriers. So in the Second World War, <clears throat> aircraft carriers were already like a really big deal and they had already come a long way. The First World War is really where you first, first start to see people experimenting with, hey, can we launch planes from a ship? <laughs> and actually a lot of the first aircraft carriers were just converted from other ships. Uh, a lot of them even had wooden decks, uh, which is crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that would be good for fire or if a plane hits it or whatever. But uh, yeah, Sopwith camels were, were part of this. So they're not just important in the history of aviation, but in the history of naval warfare, um, because they were some of the first fighters to take off from ships. Now, there was a camel model called the Camel 2F.1, and they actually managed to fly it successfully by dropping it from an airship. And this was to experiment with... Um, you know, how can we equip airships with defensive aircraft? And actually, a really good place to see this, <laughs> the only movie I can think of, it's actually one of my favorite movies, but you see this in the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Indy is in the airship, and then they crawl down to this, like, fighter, and then he pulls a lever, and then it just, like, like it, it uh, drops the aircraft from the Zeppelin. And so that's exactly what we are talking about. Okay, so let's talk about the physical dimensions of the Sopwith camel. First and foremost, it was a fighter. Uh, and when people talk about fighter planes, um, usually what it means is it's a small, single-seater aircraft uh, over the course of the 20th century. Yeah, there were fighters with, you know, maybe uh, more than one seat. But generally speaking, it's a small, agile um single-seater aircraft equipped for things like uh, trying to establish air superiority by shooting down other fighters, running interception, so trying to prevent other aircraft, uh, not just fighters, but also bombers from uh, succeeding in their missions. Uh, they were also used for things like zeppelin hunting, uh, reconnaissance, stuff like that. The Sopwith Camel was a biplane. Now, what this means is that you had like one set of wings and then there were like supports and then above it, there was a second set of wings and it just made it a little more uh, stable when it was flying. A lot of the early designs were like this. Um, <laughs> you know, the early days of aviation was really the Wild West. Like people were trying out all sorts of crazy designs like there were even triplanes where there were three sets of wings and that wasn't even the weirdest thing but um how big was this plane well the wingspan um was 28 feet and the length was 18 feet 9 inches the height was 8 feet 6 inches the wing area was 231 square feet the engine. Let's talk about the engine. So this thing had a um, 
It had a Clerget nine-cylinder rotary engine with 130 horsepower. So 130 horsepower, like if you're not into cars or machines or whatever. Uh, I looked it up. The horsepower of a base model 2021 Toyota Corolla is 139 horsepower. So this aircraft had 130 horsepower. So uh, its engine was just a little bit less uh, powerful than a 2021 Toyota Corolla. It uh, consumed about nine li- um, two gallons per hour of uh, oil. And uh, in terms of gasoline, it was about 10 uh, gallons an hour. And that comes to nine liters an hour or 45 liters an hour. Oh, also earlier when I was talking about feet and inches, um, just generally speaking, the conversion rate is three to one. So like generally speaking, you're close enough if you just imagine three feet is a meter. Um, So when I said, for example, uh, the height was eight feet, six inches, like eight and a half feet, uh, that's almost nine feet. So that's roughly three meters, like roughly, roughly. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it had two synchronized 303, uh, like 303 British, that's the caliber, Vickers machine guns. It was actually called the camel because there was like a distinctive hump shape over these machine guns, by the way. Um, the camel was, uh, like I said, the first British fighter to mount twin forward facing machine guns side by side. And that became standard for the Royal Air Force, like a lot of other air forces, um, the machine guns might be under the cockpit, like under the pilot's feet or like on the wings, uh, stuff like that. Sometimes they could be equipped with bombs, the SOP with camels. And if they were, they were four 20 pound Cooper bombs. Um, one of the questions that people often ask about these types of aircraft is, um, if it's mounted, if the machine guns are mounted in the front, how come it doesn't shoot its own propeller off? And that is a very good question. Early models, they reinforced the propeller with like metal plates so that the bullets would just like bounce off. But that was just insane. So eventually they developed what's called interrupter gear. Um, it's like really mechanically complicated, or at least it was when, when I was reading about it. But basically what it is, is like the propeller is like spinning and it's connected to a bunch of gears in the machine gun. So the machine gun will not fire when the propeller is in a certain position and it's perfectly timed and fine tuned so that when you like press to fire the machine gun, it will only fire at the precise moment where the propeller blades are not in the way of the gun barrel. Um, Like it sounds really complicated, but it's like literally it's like a piece that'll like go it's like a piece that'll go like up and down blocking something um i know that's not like super uh accurate but even when i was reading it i was like what anyway all you need to know is like when you're shooting this thing um it's perfectly timed so that the bullets are flying through the propeller like not hitting the blades um and that's called interrupter gear the max speed of this thing was 117 miles per hour at sea level um and it could climb so to reach 10,000 feet it took 10 minutes and the ceiling for this thing like the the maximum altitude that it could go uh you know safely was 19,000 feet so yeah i just wanted to hit you guys with uh <laughs> with some numbers to maybe bring this aircraft into a little sharper focus Thank you.
All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, Today was the latest entry in our ongoing series on the First World War, where we talked about the Sopwith Camel, one of the most well-known aircraft of that conflict. And uh, for those of you that may have been wondering while listening to this, yes, Snoopy's plane was a Sopwith Camel. So there you go. (laughs) In any case, I want to thank you so, so much for listening. And uh, this has been Bite Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to Bite Sized History Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yes, and uh, leave a review on iTunes. That would really help me out. Thank you so, so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>